My junior year, we, we, we go to Friona, we win the game, and there was a lot of uh, uh, kind of friendly smack talking back and forth, and so we decided that summer that we would go paint the uh, paint the score on the water tower um, at, at Friona. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is small town, West Texas stuff right here in front. Welcome back to Beyond the X's and O's, and today's a fascinating conversation with one of the highest profile coaches in all of college football, Lincoln Riley from USC. Little did you know, he grew up in a town with one stoplight, Mule Shoe, Texas, a town of 5,000, talks about Friday Night Lights, whether you were home or away, the entire city shut down and they're at your home stadium or they traveled to the away stadium. Uh, he's a dual sport athlete, actually a multi-sport athlete, uh, really talks about the value in being a multi-sport athlete, how much he appreciates that, how he really, he spoiled it down as it teaches you how to chase championships, which I thought was beautifully said. Uh, he gets, he ends up going to Texas Tech as a player, but really Texas Tech launched his coaching career. Becomes a student assistant for Coach Leach, quickly climbs the tree, uh, the coaching tree for Coach Leach, and and talked about how much responsibility Coach Leach gave him at a young age, probably more than he deserved in his own words. Uh, well, he finally gets a receiver's job, and guess who's in the room that year? Michael Crabtree and Danny Amendola both played 10-plus years in the NFL. Uh, they lit up college football. Uh, he said that was an incredible opportunity where he got to learn how much great players demand from you as a coach. Obviously, that stint at Texas Tech launched him to get the job at East Carolina where he becomes a, an office coordinator for the first time and, and talks really specifically how most coordinators think it's really about the glamour of calling plays, but there's so much more to being a coordinator, being at the front of the room, not through the back of the room, structuring the offense, understanding who you are personnel-wise, uh, programming, scheduling, practice habits. It's just so neat to hear from one of the best play callers how really the play calling is just the icing on the cake. It's all the other stuff that goes behind it. Gets an opportunity to go, go to Oklahoma, where he's with Coach Stoops for two years. Uh, talk, I love, I talked to him, I asked him, I said, you know, talk to me about Coach Leach, Coach Ruffin at East Carolina, and then Coach Stoops and what you pulled from each one of them. And he goes in depth on the principles he learned from each one of those coaches. Uh, obviously becomes the head coach at Oklahoma and has the opportunity to coach two Heisman Trophy winners, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, what he saw in them, how he built the offenses around them and, and the kind of coach they are. And then obviously how he got to USC, how he's enjoying it, uh, what it means to be a Trojan, uh, all the all the other good stuff that goes with it. So this is a great conversation with Coach Lincoln Riley. I hope you enjoy as much as I did. This episode of Beyond the X's Nose is brought to you by Baya Energy Drink. Well, I'm super pumped today to have USC's head football coach, Lincoln Riley, on the show. Coach, thanks for being here. You got it, Trent. Appreciate uh, you having me on. Good to see you. Well, let's start with some fun stuff. Mule Shoe, Texas, town of 5,000, <laughs> Friday Night Lights. What was that like for you? Awesome. Awesome. I, I don't think I could have grown up in a, a, a better environment. Uh, the small towns, you said, I think we had uh, one stoplight. Um, <laughs> everybody, uh, it's a small kind of farming town. Uh, everybody knows everyone. Uh, some great friends, some great memories. And then yeah, high school football was amazing. It was kind of 
like you've seen on some of the movies or TV shows. I mean, literally the, the town on Friday nights shut down. And uh, if you if you played at home, everybody was there. If you played on the road, everybody was there. And uh, that's uh, just kind of uh, that was kind of the life. It's uh, was kind of the, the kind of the heartbeat in some ways of the town. And so, yeah, kind of my, my initial love from football was kind of seeing the community's investment in it. And, and uh, so, yeah, it was uh, the scene, the scenery and the, the stage and all that have changed a little bit. But, uh, yeah, kind of the love for ball certainly started there. Awesome. Did you, uh, when did you know you, you're going to get your first start? What year was that? And what was that first varsity start like for you? Yeah. Sophomore year. Um, yeah. Uh, got to, got to do it. I, I had a pretty serious, uh, shoulder injury right before it. And, uh, so wasn't sure kind of how all that was going to play out and yeah, to get kind of that first action and to go from being like that little kid that, you know, you watched all the guys, the older high school guys playing through those years and kind of, you know, dreaming of when you would get your chance and to be able to get your shot and out to go out there and do it was, uh, yeah, it was a great feeling. I mean, it felt like you're playing in front of a million people, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, the, the, the emotions, excitement, kind of pride you had in that was one of the big deals there. They did a good job at our program. So my program historically at Milshu was one of the worst programs in the state of Texas and, and our head coach David Wood came in and really transformed it and over the last you know probably 20 years it's been one of the more successful programs in the state and they changed a lot but I remember one cool thing they did um, there's two things one it was a big deal at the time but if you made varsity you got your name on the back of your jersey which that was pretty uncommon in those days and then and then we had a they really invested in a beautiful uh, varsity locker room and it was unlike anything else we'd ever had. And so kind of to earn your way to that point, you know, you're looking at it as like a sixth or seventh grader in that program, like to earn your way to that point became such a point of pride that like when you finally got that jersey or finally got accepted in that locker room, it was a big, big deal. And uh, taught you a lot about kind of culture and what it means to, to be great and what it means to, to want to do something together collectively. And that was a, it was a fun ride. I don't want to put you on a weird spot here, but any like specific stories from that first start or another high school football game? Can you take us inside uh, one of those experiences? Well, this will give you a little bit of a uh, of an idea of kind of the importance behind it. So, my in between my junior and senior year, um, there was a, we had a we had a rivalry. I mean, it was a another small town in that area of Friona, Texas. And uh, we had a, there was a long standing rivalry. Friona had been good, Milshoe was bad. And then all of a sudden Milshoe kind of came up and we started beating them some. And and so my junior year, we, we, we go to Friona, we win the game. And there was a lot of uh, uh, kind of friendly smack talking back and forth. And so we decided that summer that we would go paint the, uh, paint the score on the water tower um, at, at Friona. Oh yeah, this is small town West Texas stuff right here, Trent. So we do it. So we we do it. Me and a couple of buddies, we we scale it at like two o'clock in the morning, which was definitely uh, one of the dumber things I've ever done in my life. Add it to the list, and uh, so we paint we paint the water tower, and uh, so they find out about it. Um, we get in all kinds of trouble, and my mom told me. So we're getting ready to play in my senior year, and my mom was awesome. She she cared about. I mean, she was very supportive in sports, but um, 
like never like expectations where you just you make your grades, you're a good person, you work hard. Never anything about winning. She wanted us to win, but that wasn't a deal to her. But she told me before that game, she was like, "You better win this freaking game." Like, <laughs> it was like getting that from my mom. So, <laughs> and we did. Had had one of my one of my best games, and we won. And but yeah, it's just it's a great story, man. It's like like classic kind of just West Texas small town football, man. Everybody loved it. Everybody was into it. Rivalries were intense, and uh, um. So yeah, it's a that's a great story that, that kind of encompasses it all. Do you remember the score of the game that you wrote on the water tower? Yeah, I think twenty three fourteen. I'm pretty sure <laughs> that one's that was kind of ingrained in the mind. Which it's 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 common known fact, Trent, that when you paint a score on a water tower, you never forget it. <laughs> I hear you. No, we, 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 yeah. around here sixty five nothing means something as well. So I just wanted a chance to throw that in there. Now you're a dual sport athlete also. So uh, you ran track, correct? Ran track, played basketball, um, did a little bit of everything. Played, subbed in baseball some as a pinch runner. But yeah, I just, I I loved competing. And uh, so I tried to get involved as much as I could. Well, I want to dig into that a little bit because every show, whether it's an NFL quarterback, Hall of Fame quarterback, big time head football coach, we've gotten in this dual sport athlete conversation. Um, and you don't have to, you know, have a total opinion on this, but can you see the value that you had as a dual sport athlete? And I'll kind of contrast it where some of the specialization is going uh, from your perspective, the lessons you learned from being a multi-sport athlete and maybe seeing some of that lacking these days. I, I couldn't be more in favor of being a multi-sport athlete. You like, I, I know, I know what happens. People get focused on, well, I need to develop these skills. I need to go to this camp. I need to do this seven on seven. I need to work with this quarterback trainer. And, and those are all good things. The other thing you've got to learn to do is you got to learn how to compete. And there's, there's competing at a seven on seven, which is good. There's competing at a, you know, an elite 11 or some of these different quarterback competitions, those, those are great. Like any competition is good, but that is not the same as chasing a, a real championship with a, with a team. And, and I just think you just got to put yourself in those situations as much as you can and develop. And, and I, 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 you know, can you this day and age, can you go play five or six sports? That's probably going to be difficult, but to say that you can't go play two or three sports and play them at a high level, um, and 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 also be able to develop at a at maybe the one you see your 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 maybe your brightest future at. I, you can certainly do both, and I think that there's just that don't. My big, biggest advice to everybody out there, parents, kids, is don't lose sight of two things. One, you got to learn how to compete. Um, you've got to learn how to deal with teams, and then and then also you only get that chance once. Like you're. You're sitting here like me and you, and we'll look back. What what would we give to go back and play another high school football game right now? You know, what would we do to be able to go play a high school basketball game right now? Anything. And and at some point, this is all going to be over, and you're not going to get to do it again. So if you have other sports that you love, find a way to find a way to compete in them. Life's too short. I couldn't agree more. And we're just seeing guys, you know, multi-sport athletes tend to be more coachable. They understand role definition a little bit better. You might be a superstar football player, but you know, Mark Sanchez told this great story. I was the sixth guy on the basketball team. He learned how to be the tough guy. He learned how to use all five fouls. He learned how to be a role player. I mean, those things are invaluable. Time management, uh, we're seeing our multi-sport athletes much better at the time 
payment. So please hear us young people out there watching. It is such a benefit for you to be more diverse as an athlete, not get so focused on just one thing. Hey, Coach, t talk us through, because there are there's a ton of kids that are watching this, and you're obviously a big hit with all the young people. Tell them about your recruiting journey. Uh, what was it like leaving Millshoe and then obviously ended up at Texas Tech? Yeah, you know, I wasn't a, I wasn't a big name recruit. Uh, not at a school that traditionally, you know, when a college coach, uh, college coach came through there, it was it was news. It didn't happen very often, and so um, uh, there were some things I could have done to make myself probably more more recruited um, that I didn't do, and some advantages that I didn't have. But I I kind of came down. It was a decision for me of you know I could go to you know kind of the one double A. I could go to the Ivy League, or I could walk on um, at a at a Division One school at the time, and. Um, so that was kind of the path for me, and uh, I kind of had that three decisions. And I think that at the end of the day, it, it was there's kind of two parts of it. One was I wanted to, I said, if I'm going to do this, I want a chance to do it at, at, a, at a big school at the highest level. And, and I think the other thing was at that time, uh, you know, Mike Leach had just come into Texas Tech, and they were throwing the ball all over the place. And it was something that I was very interested in, both as a player and potentially as a as just a fan of the game, wanting to you know to learn that. And so, uh, an opportunity presented itself there, and and I took it. And uh, so it wasn't a it wasn't a uh, certainly a, like a, a fancy high profile recruitment by any stretch. I I, uh, I went on a couple of official visits to a few places, but ultimately decided on um, going to Texas Tech. And and uh, yeah, I've been been kind of the wild journey uh, ensued from there. Well, we'll get into that journey, how from being a player at Texas Tech, helped him become a coach at Texas Tech, and you know the rest. We'll be right back. New Starbucks Buy Energy Drink. With caffeine naturally found in coffee fruit, it's energy that's good. It's a beverage that is crafted from caffeine naturally found in coffee fruit, as well as antioxidant vitamin C. It includes three delicious fruity flavors, mango guava, raspberry lime, pineapple passion fruit. A refreshing fruit-flavored boost of feel-good energy in a way only Starbucks can deliver. Starbucks Buy Energy Drink packs energy and flavor that gives me that boost when gearing up to watch the big game, have a long day out on the field with the kids, or sit down and have a quality conversation for our audience. Starbucks Buy Energy Drink is available online, at grocery stores, convenience stores, and gas stations nationwide. We're back with Coach Lincoln Riley. And, and Coach, we touched on your playing career at Texas Tech, but it launched you to something way bigger. You end up leaving the gridiron as a player and jumping right in as a coach for Coach Leach's, at Leach at Texas Tech. I got to believe that was kind of an eye-opener, coaching for him uh, and just the way he runs the program. Yeah, it, it was. It was. It was. Yeah, I learned so much in that environment. I mean, I learned, I mean, probably the, you know, Mike's two biggest strengths I've always thought are his his ability um, and and also his courage to, to think outside the box, um, not have to do things by the status quo. And I think a lot of people get held back by fear of feeling like they have to conform to doing something within these parameters. And with Mike, uh, there are no parameters on anything. And so, uh, um, so and, uh, I, but it was awesome. To, I mean, he he gave me so much responsibility at a young age. Um, we were cutting edge on what we were doing. We had a lot of fun. We won a lot of games. Um, and uh, and and then he was also, I think, 
one thing I, I don't know it's always been discussed is he's he's always been a, a person that's hired extremely well and again I go back to that he doesn't care about the status quo and all that he just hires the people he thinks are the very best and you know he's you obviously look at, at his tree uh guys that have coached underneath him that have gone on and had you know good careers and gotten really good opportunities and I think that's a, 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 a you know Mike deserves a lot of credit in that so it was uh yeah as a young coach it was very cool to be in um now when I when I left, I thought Texas Tech was a normal program. And, and then I got into what really was a normal program. I was like, man, I can't believe we did some of the stuff we did. Um, but it was cool. It, it really was. It kind of opened up my mind to, to do things a different way. And, and uh, like I said, we had a lot of fun along the way. What was a day in the life like as a young GA student assistant? Like uh, grind mode or was a little different? And you obviously had a ton of them since. Like contrast a little bit your early time as a coach to maybe what you're seeing now. Yeah, you know, it was, it was unique because Mike keeps such weird office hours. Um, and so my when I was a student coach, it was tough because I – there was a GA job coming open. So I was trying to rush to get graduated. So I graduated in, I think three years and I was trying to fly through school to, to be graduated so I could potentially get that job. And so I did all my classes from, you know, like eight to one or two, eight in the morning to one or two in the afternoon. And that's, you know, most of the time that's about when Mike comes into the office. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, and then, and then you're there to all hours of the night. Um, and so, you know, that's, and that's just his schedule. He's a night owl. And so now the hours and getting school and all that done were, were, were a challenge, but it, like I said, it was fun. It's uh, yeah, not, not too tense of an environment as you can imagine with him. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I learned a lot, gave me a ton of, he, he was great in the sense he gave me so much responsibility, probably more than I deserve. As, as time went on and it, but it did put you in a position where you were going to learn and you were going to grow. And I certainly did a lot during those years. Well, I need opportunity to coach. I mean, there's so many young coaches listening to this show too, and this is an opportunity. Do you have any advice for those young coaches? And, and I've seen it. I'll, I'll start this. I've seen such a change in the young ambitious coach that they they're so focused on where they're going that sometimes they forget about where they're at. And I, I've said this a million times that I grew up on the back of a walking sled and I'm just, it, you know, my mentors were the grinders are the ones that would they'd get coffee and also do a game plan. Um, what advice would you have for young coaches? I'm sure you give it to them to the ones on your staff, but also ones you probably interview and don't hire. Uh, you know, some of the best advice that I ever got, I think that's important as you, I mean, I think in any of these jobs, you, you, you've got to make yourself, valuable enough that I think two things, one, that they don't want to lose you. Like you, you got to make, if you, if you're expendable, then your, your time there's probably not going to last very long. You know, you, you've got to make it to where people be like, Oh man, who's going to do this? Or can they do this as well? If, if you're not there. And, uh, and I think, and that also is going to keep you at the forefront of somebody's mind. If an opportunity, a natural opportunity comes up within that organization or another to, to potentially move up or to, to get another job. And so I think just the, the quality of work, you know, every day is your resume, every report that you do, everything that you do, whether it's, you know, going and running an errand from that all the way up to something very important within the football program, it's all, it's all your resume and it's all about, you know, when, when somebody assigns you or gives you responsibility, 
do they expect excellence in return and do you, do you consistently deliver that? And, uh, and then I think the second thing I would say is, you know, for kind of the ambitious group is like you said, stay present, do your job in an elite level, but you've also, you've got to, you've got to think of and carry yourself kind of like you're at that next step. So like my thought process was, all right, if I'm a, if I'm a GA, all right, I want to carry myself like an assistant, not from a, like a confidence standpoint, anything like that, but just, I want them to see, I want, I want people to know I can recruit. I want people to know that like when I get a chance to coach a guy, even if it's the fifth string walk on quarterback, he's going to be the most well-coached guy on this football team. Like I, I, you take every part of that kind of person, you, you dress like that, you carry yourself, you act like that. You see, I think sometimes like GAs in that world, still thinking of themselves as like, kind of like, I'm still kind of like a student or a player and then, but kind of like coach, like kind of halfway in between, like, no, that's, nobody's going to hire anybody as a full-time assistant that's halfway in between you, you got to carry yourself and act and dress and uh, conduct yourself like you're at that next step. So when those natural opportunities come up, you're, you're the one that, that first comes to mind in terms of filling those. And, and uh, so I, tried to do that and got some good advice from people along the way uh, to get that done. Well, it obviously worked 2007, you get the wide receiver job for coach Leach at Texas tech and a couple, couple pretty good players on the same team. Uh, Michael Crabtree, who I played with in San Francisco and then Danny Amendola and they lit it up that season. Just talk about how fun it was to have those two guys on your roster, getting to coach them day in and day out. And maybe something you learned from coaching those guys. Yeah, no, I, I thought, man, this coach receiver is pretty dang easy. Coach those two guys. And, uh, <laughs> They're open all the time. I don't do anything. No, here I was, a 23-year-old receiver coach. And I think Crab, it's, it's pretty amazing. This stat doesn't get thrown around much. Crab, in his first six games as a freshman receiver, had 17 touchdown catches. He caught three in every game but one, and then in that game he caught two. So, I mean, it was just – yeah, it was – obviously I had – zero to do with that it was uh it was fun to coach those guys though they were you know how it is you've been around a trend i mean great players push you as a coach you know because there's a responsibility you have to continue their growth and development and make them even better than what they are and the great ones want to be challenged and and they require yeah everybody thinks of well you as the coach require the best out of your players. But guess what? The great players require the best out of you. And so, no, they, they, they were fun and challenging at the same time because I didn't want to let those guys down. You wanted to you wanted to be prepared. You wanted to, to do the things necessary to help them raise their games. And uh, so, now we had a great group there, a great receiver group. We were throwing it all over the yard. Um, and, uh, but, yeah, two, two tremendous players. I mean, you know, obviously – you know, Mike's accomplishments in, in college were phenomenal. He, I, you know, injuries and, you know, I think some, a few things limited his career a little bit in the NFL, still a very productive career. Then obviously Danny just has had a fabulous NFL career. It's amazing to me that he's still been playing and what he's been able to accomplish. It's uh, it's been fun to watch his journey. Well, then you go to East Carolina, you become an offense coordinator there. Uh, and you can talk as much you want about that. But what I'm most curious about was, or two things. One, did you feel like you're ready to be the coordinator? And then what was that first time like calling ball place on a Saturday afternoon? Because that's a big jump. 
Yeah, no ideas. I, I got to kind of strange how it happened, but when, when Texas Tech fired Mike, um, my last so this was my last game at Tech in 2009, I got to call the bowl game against uh, Michigan State. And that was the uh, first time I ever got to call plays in the game. It was a big game. Um, it was a huge game for Tech. And Michigan State was really good at the time. And, um, and yeah, it was uh, we we won. We played pretty well on offense. And I remember after that thinking like I can I could do this. Like I could, I could, I, I loved calling plays. It was the most fun game I'd ever had in my life. I loved. I, I mean, I loved it, and uh, I was craving the opportunity to get to do it on a full time basis. And yeah, so I got the job at East Carolina with Ruffin, and there was a lot. I, I was that was the perfect setting to go into because Ruffin Ruffin was great as a head coach. He gave me a lot of leeway. I made a lot of mistakes, um, but I was. He let me make them. He let me learn. Um, uh, I, I learned that. You know, I think everybody thinks offensive coordinator, first thing you think about is calling plays. And obviously that, that is part of it. But to me, the bigger job is managing people, right? It's, it's packaging, it's practice routines, it's who's playing, it's what personnel groupings you're playing in, it's putting together game plans. How do you study? Like it's the, it's the prep work and organization. The, the glorified part is the calling plays and, and that's, you know, there's some that are important, some that aren't, but that it's it's how well do you do all that? And I, that's what I really was able to learn at East Carolina. That and it was again, I was in a setting where I could learn that. Is is there's so much more to it than what you see on game day when you're sitting in either the head coach or the coordinator's chair and you're at the front of the room. And uh, so I, yeah, I learned a lot through those years. I thought improved. I got had to get pushed out of my comfort zone as a coach, and uh, I think I felt like that really got me ready to be able to ultimately go do it at a, at a, at a bigger program like Oklahoma. Well, you just said right there, we're definitely going to talk about the two years under coach Stoops at Oklahoma, but that comfort zone thing, I mean, to, to, for coaches to be taken from a comfortable spot to an uncomfortable spot with a lot of pressure on them, I think is the cauldron of, of learning how to coach football at the highest level. And obviously work for you, go to Oklahoma, you coach for legendary coach uh, Stoops, uh, what were those two years like? Was it uh, what you experienced in East Carolina amplified or was it a whole new world for you? Yeah, you know, it was amplified, um, certainly with the quality of players. Um, and we had some really good ones at ECU, but obviously the talent level is different. The opportunities to win and win big were different. Stage was different. and uh, But I was I was certainly more prepared. The years East Carolina prepared me for it. And then getting to work for Bob was phenomenal because you you got to see kind of his impact and and what he did at a high level in terms of running that organization and helping me grow as a coach and, and pushing me to get better. And so they were, a, it was a great two years. I mean, we were successful. We won a bunch of games, kind of got, um, they'd had a, a, a couple of now relative down years, weren't many down years with, with coach, but we were able to really get the thing back running at a high level. And, and uh, like I said, he was, he was great. He, he gave me a lot of leeway as well, uh, but also pushed me to, to become better. And, you could see it really, I thought, showed just his experience, how many situations he had been in as a head coach, kind of knowing what to handle, kind of how he managed people, understood the pulse of the team, the pulse of the staff. Um, now it was, and he was very open to talking about that, visiting about that, which was helpful for me because I was just trying to, to take in as much as I possibly could. Do you still now as a longtime head coach, do you see a lot of Coach Stoops in your coaching style? Do you see partly Stoops, partly Ruffin, partly Leach? Like if somebody challenged you, you say, okay, 
break it up into thirds. Where would you put your experience from Coach Stoops and how you see it in yourself now as a head coach? Yeah, definitely a lot of things I learned from him that I have certainly carried on. Um, again, his his I think his structure and his consistency as a, as a head coach I think was very important. Um, pushed the staff, but also treated people well, uh, which is something I've always tried to tried to do. And and I would say all of, all the guys I worked for were were, uh, were were good in that manner. You know, Ruffin had such a a unique bond with his players as much as any coach I've ever been with. He, he understood his players and his ability to connect and get the best out of them was, um, I thought as good as anybody. And I've tried to, you know, that's certainly something I've tried to, to do a good job of. And I learned a lot from him on, um, Mike, certainly I would go back to the, you know, learning outside the box, thinking outside the box, making sure you hire the right people around you. Um, you know, and so, yeah, I mean, they all three certainly had strengths. They all three ran their programs and, really drastically different ways, but yeah, definitely there's some, I can look at what we do now and see their fingerprints all over it. That's so cool. We'll talk about how uh, Coach Riley was promoted within Oklahoma, launched one of the great coaching careers we've seen to this date. We'll be right back. Here at Beyond the X's and O's, we don't shy away from real life conversations. And today we're talking about one of the most taboo topics, finances. U.S. Bank offers a wide range of credit cards for a wide variety of financial needs. And one of its most useful cards is the U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card. With a low introductory APR for 24 billing cycles, this card is a tool for getting ahead. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is a savvy financial move for large purchases, unexpected expenses, and balance transfers. And with the ability to customize your payment date, this card gives you control over your financial future. Apply now at usbank.com platinum. With the US Bank Visa Platinum card, you can be worry-free for the next two years. To see if you qualify for the best introductory APR out there, visit usbank.com platinum. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. Back with Coach Lincoln Riley. Uh, so use this opportunity under Coach Stoops. You get hired within and launches your great head coaching career to this point. 55 and 10 as a college football coach. That's impressive. Three college football um, playoff appearances. But what I find fascinating is you have coached two Heisman Trophy winners, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Uh, taught, what's it meant to be a coach of two Heisman Trophy winners and those journeys you went on with them? Yeah, they were great journeys, you know, and I, I mean, the Heisman, you know, winning the Heismans and being able to, to be a part of that experience with those guys was very, very cool. I mean, that, that's a, obviously a historic award and it, it's uh, a, a great experiences. But I think I, I remember most is, you know, the time, just the time kind of behind the scenes with those guys, especially the years that we had them uh, in the meeting room together. What a, what a great meeting room that was. And, you know, we challenged each other, pushed each other. Um, that's probably the most competitive meeting room that I've ever had with, with those two guys in there. And I think it made us all better. And uh, so got re great relationships with those guys to this day. I mean, they're like, they're like family to me. I mean, they're like, you know, they're like 
you know, kind of older children almost to me. So I've, uh, to see those guys kind of go from where they were, you know, both were guys that people had knocks on, neither were big guys. Um, to, to see them, both were guys that people probably thought, you know, never have a chance to play in the NFL. And to see them not only both win the Heisman, but both go number one overall, uh, to be able to have, you know, Kyler's kind of in the middle of his time right now at Arizona. Baker's obviously getting ready for, for the next step and, and uh, with probably the biggest chip on his shoulder that anybody's ever seen. And uh, so it's it's been fun to watch their journeys and have been, uh, you know, kind of a, a small part of it there in the beginning. When you were recruiting them, what were the distinguishing traits that you knew you had something might be different for one, might be the same one for each one. But I, I knew them both in high school too. And just curious what you saw that you knew you could help mold and shape and get their best out of them. Yeah, they're very different situations. You know, Baker just transferred into uh, to OU right before I got there. And so it was a pretty busy co uh, quarterback competition when I got there. We had four guys on scholarship, which you never have now. And, uh, and they ended up winning the job. And I think his – uh, just his, his feel as a playmaker, uh, his, his ability to process offense quickly was extremely impressive. I mean, his recall um, and, again, just ability to process what you were coaching, we, we really connected quickly there. Um, and then, I mean, everybody sees, I mean, he's just he's just such a competitor. He's such a, he's such a tough player. And I think your football teams always take on the mentality and personality of your quarterback. And he's just – you know, he's just an elite competitor. The guy is, and 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 that that showed from the very very beginning. You know, Kyler's Kyler was much different because we did recruit him a little bit. He, he transferred in from Texas A and M, and and uh, and at that time we'd had some success already with Baker. We had we had a couple other quarterbacks that wanted to transfer to OU at that time, and but I just you know Kyler had a pretty you know I would say. Averaged even below average, you know, true freshman season at Texas A&M. Results weren't great, and but I just when we watched him, I thought his ability was so unique that I just felt like him and this offense and what we could do could be a crazy good combination. And he was awesome. He was a great worker. He had to be patient uh, behind Baker. You know, he was there for two years and, and wasn't the starter, which is a great lesson again to all the young guys out there. Hang in there. You know. He, he sits for two years and then he's the number nine overall pick at the baseball draft and wins the Heisman's the number one on the NFL draft. And, you know, two years before he's sitting. And so that's uh, his patience and work ethic certainly was rewarded because when his time came, he was, he was absolutely ready. Yeah. It's been so fun, not just to watch their progression, but study uh, your offenses under the two of them. I think you taught a lot of young coaches, offensive coaches, a lot about offensive football and how to use the traits of each one differently. So, it's been fun to watch that. Now, off-season kind of bombshell. Here you are. You're at USC. You come get hired by them. Uh, immediately put in a uh, top ten recruiting class. Uh, all this stuff has been phenomenal to watch from a distance. But what's it been like with your feet on the ground so far at USC? Uh, Trent, it's been awesome. I mean, it really has. I just everything about it. I mean, Southern California is sells itself. It's, it's an amazing place to live and work. Uh, you're, and then you're walking in here to a program that's uh, been very like humbled, um, and is ready to, to be back where, you know, I, in my opinion, USC football belongs and, uh, and, you know, putting all the things up front from a, 
from a resource standpoint, personnel standpoint, uh, alignment standpoint to get that done. And uh, so it's, there's a great hunger here uh, around this university and I think around the state of California for USC to be back. And, and uh, so it's been great. The reception's been awesome. Uh, I, I think it's such a unique opportunity and at this time at the school, it's uh, so yeah, it's uh, six months so far. It feels, it's it's kind of crazy to think that the time's gone by that quick, uh, but we've we've really we've really enjoyed it so far. It's been a fun new challenge for, I think, for all of us that came, and uh, excited to see what we can do here. And as you're having your your national recruiting school, so uh, as kids come through there, what's it mean to be a Trojan? I think it means a lot. I I, I think this this university is so well positioned and so maybe uniquely positioned within our sport. It's you're talking about filling a uh, kind of a unique spot in college football where you've got, you know, elite academics. I mean, this is, this is a, one of the top institutions in the country. Um, you've got obviously the elite history of football here, and then you've got, you know, the, the, the big market of, of LA and all the opportunities that provides on and off the field, you know, for our guys that, that just make it, I think it's a great opportunity, but also a big responsibility for all of us um, because, you know, you, you think about it, like you, you step back, like not many people get chances to, to go to school, at a university, this quality, earn a degree from a place like this that can by itself change your life. Um, you know, not many people get to play in one of the greatest college football programs of all time. You know, not many people get to wake up every day in paradise. Um, you come here, you get to do all three. And that's, uh, again, it's a great opportunity, but it's also a really, really cool responsibility that like, I think if you, it's kind of like, right. Yeah. To, to much was it right. If you've been given a lot, you've also, you also take on a yeah, lot of responsibility and ownership of it. And, and, uh, and so I think I want that to be important to every person in this program that we're surrounded by is make sure you appreciate what you have, make sure you take advantage of all these opportunities because They'll change your life, your family's life, your family's family's life if you do this thing right. That's awesome. Well, your journey's been incredible. Thanks for sharing it with us. We love to end each show, uh, your chance to kind of give a shout out to your wife, Caitlin. And then interesting, I'm a, I'm a daughter daddy too. I have three and you're a daughter daddy. You have two about their impact on this journey for you. Yeah, no, they're, they're everything. I mean, being able to, to kind of go on this journey is would be, not obviously not even close to the same without them. And, and, uh, you know, that's, that has maybe been the, the best part of it is being able to, to share it, you know, with my wife, we've been, uh, as supportive and, and is always up for kind of any, any journey, any kind of excitement, exciting twists that these, uh, these, these kind of jobs can take on, um, all the long hours, all the time away. She's, uh, she's certainly the, you know, kind of the, the rock of our household without a doubt. Um, yeah, my two girls certainly, uh, I get, I get some balance. I get all the testosterone I need up here at work. So, uh, <laughs> we definitely balance that out at home. I get home and it's dresses and it's this and it's that. And, and, uh, but they're now nah, they're amazing. And yeah, to be able to kind of bring them out here to Southern California to live in a, a new place, experience new things specifically for them was, was a big part of this. So yeah, I can't imagine doing it with anybody else. Well, thanks so much for your time, Coach. Good luck this season. I uh, appreciate you hanging out with us a little bit and sharing some insight with all the coaches and young players listening. Thank you.
Absolutely. That was fun. Appreciate you having me, Trent. That concludes this episode of Beyond the X's and O's. Thanks to our sponsor, Bia Energy Drink. Well, thanks again to Coach Riley for his time, and we'll see you next time on Beyond the X's and O's.